Welcome everyone to Kingdom of Honor. This is your host, Man Shane Sabuni, along with my good buddy, the Honorable Jeff. And I told Hello. Jeff yesterday that uh, I was going to have plenty of time to watch, to get our, to get my my uh, wrestling watching in. Plus, I'd have some time to watch some Elimination Chamber matches. So I was going to. Oh watch God, I'm sorry. The Women's Elimination Chamber, and I was going to watch AJ Styles versus um, Alistair Black. But then. Due to an injury I suffered yesterday, I had ended up having a little bit more time today than I expected to have. So I just kind of started watching the Elimination Chamber paper. You know, I was just going to fast forward to those two matches. But I got to the first Elimination Chamber match, which was a tag match, and I decided to watch that. That was a mistake. Um, the sad thing is it started off really well. You know, it started off with the Usos versus the New Day, which is usually really good. Um, they... they then uh, entering third was Lucha House Party, and that was really exciting. And then the World Tag Team Champions came in, Miz and John Morrison. And the match became slow and plodding. And Corey Graves said, these guys are moved like, an, like they're a well-oiled machine. No, Corey, they don't. They move like a clunky machine that hasn't been oiled in 10 damn years. I wonder why that is. Um... And then you had Otis and Tucker come in, and and uh, as I'm trying to think of the guy's name, Metal League's partner, climbed to the top of one of the chambers, one of the pods, I should say. Otis just kind of looked at him, then he looked around the ring like he didn't know what he was doing. He just kind of stood there, you know, big and imposing, and you could see that he had no idea what he was supposed to do next. And it was just cringeworthy and awful and embarrassing for Otis himself. And then, then uh, the guy that climbed onto the on top of the pod. A couple minutes later, everybody else is gathered in the middle of the ring, and he comes. He's and now it turns out he's hanging from the top of the chamber, and he does a, a uh, shooting star press from that position. Less than everybody else, and then his partner ends up getting pinned by heavy machinery after a compactor. And Michael Cole was going, how did nobody notice him doing, climbing across the ring like that? And I'm thinking to myself, Cole, you're asking the wrong damn question. Why was he crawling, climbing across the ring like that? He was just climbing across, just hoping everybody else was going to be laying in the middle of the ring, <laughs> ready to be, to be shooting star pressed on, t on top of. Because that makes a lot of sense. And then, the last team is about to come in. Dolph Ziggler and Bobby Roode. Yay. And then we get the WWE trope from several elimination chambers where the heel team is afraid of the face. And so they're going to hold their pod closed as best they could. And I looked at that and I said, done, and shut off the match. Oh my God. Oh my God, Jeff, it was terrible. You know, first of all, did you expect anything different? We've seen the same shit over and over and over again with that company now for what, four and a half, five years? Well, Jesus, probably longer than that. It's just we didn't have any alternatives before that. It never changes. It's the same tired storytelling. They go after the entertainment big spots, and people stand around like morons waiting for those big spots. It just doesn't change. Now, I was going to actually watch those matches. I really was. I That was my goal for tonight. But after um, you messaged me this afternoon and said you needed a palate cleanser, I literally just said to myself, I'm not even going to bother because it just, there, there was nothing. And I'm still, I, I still believe AJ Styles is probably the best wrestler of our generation. He, you know, he's Ric Flair, he's Hulk Hogan. He's, he's this generation's great goat. You know, it's right now it's between him and, and probably Jericho as the best of all time. Um, but I can't even watch him 
for the uh, because of how silly everything has gotten in that company. Yeah, I don't blame you for that. You know, and and you know, I, I feel I feel really bad for Otis Dozerman because I really like the guy. You know, I think he's, I think he's he's super entertaining. I think he's got that kind of personality that really could put, push him far. I could see him as a major star for WWE in a couple years' time, maybe two to five years' time. But he just like completely lost his place in that match. You know, I don't know if he got overwhelmed by the moment, if it was being in his first elimination chamber. You know, what the hell it was. But clearly, he had no idea what he was supposed to do next. And and I felt really bad for the guy. And uh, and then he had to do that stupid trope about. The babyface going after the heel and the heel doing everything he can to stay inside the pod. I mean, come on. We've seen it 800 times over the, la- over the last five, ten years, and it's just so old and so tired, and it was just so dumb. Oh, and then I, then I, get started, a... fast, I, I started fast-forwarding, so I, I was like, this, this possibly can't go, can't go in like another ten minutes. So ten minutes later, I, I pressed play, and Otis is picking up Ziggler, who he was after in the first place. And he finally gets his hand on his Dolph Ziggler. And you know what he does with him, Jeff? I don't want to ask. He guillotines him on the top rope and then backs away. And then I thought <sighs> another 10 minutes and the match is finally over. So after the bullshit that I saw, 20 more minutes went by. 20! Ugh. It was... Oh. I, I feel bad for people that were there in attendance. I feel bad for people that kept watching that. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, that match, it's, like I said, it started off so promising and then it went downhill so quickly. It just, it frustrates me because I know there's a lot of people that still enjoy WWE. Obviously, it's the number one wrestling company on the planet. But I just can't get into the silliness anymore. I can't get into the tired storylines, the, the consistently shooting for the big spots just to pop the crowd with no storytelling to get to those spots. It, it's just, it's maddening for me. It really, truly is. And, you know, I was going to talk about this match last of the Elimination Chamber matches, but since we're talking about, but actually, the, you know, that, what you just said kind of leads into the women's match a little bit. So there was a spot in the men's match where, I mean, I already mentioned the spot about, um, Metal East partner. What the hell was Metal East partner's name? Do you remember? I have no clue. All right. Well, I, anyway, I the, honestly. Lucha House Party number two. Then <laughs> I mentioned how we how we did that. How we climbed to the top of the pod and then he climbed across the ring. Well, before that, both he both he and Metal League were up on the pod earlier in the match, fighting against both members of the New Day and then also against the Usos at different times. And so we already had a lot of you know on top of the pod stuff. And I really was going to was going to um, harshly criticize the women for doing the same thing. But then I thought after I saw what happened in the rest, because Sarah Logan climbed up there and she was fighting with uh, Ruby Riot on top of, on top of um, Liv, Liv uh, Morgan's pod. And, and it was kind of a cool way, I guess, to have all three of the former Riot Squad members in the same shot. Um, but I was like, you know, guys, we just saw people fighting on, fighting on top of the pot an hour and a half ago. Did you really have to do it again? It was, it was just like I felt about the men's, um, the men's, uh, war games match having, you know, bring, you know, bringing the, bringing in the, the weapons after we'd already seen in the women's match. Um, right. but it, it was just like, you know, you got to know what the other people are going to do and then not repeat the same spot. But then I, but then when I saw how the match progressed, I was like, well, they kind of had to get everything in that could get in before Shayna Baszler kicked everybody else's ass. So. Yeah. I, that's one match I may end up, um, I may end up actually watching that one. Cause I've heard that was really good, but I also heard the men's uh, tag team match was pretty good too. So I, I don't, I don't know if I can trust my source. Um, Lucha, well, it, it, the it Lucha probably, house party, metal leaks partner. The, I would say for the, go ahead, go ahead. Who was his partner? It, it's either Callisto or Linstrato. Okay. Yeah. It just came to me as you were saying that. Um, the, the thing with the, with the, with the tag matches, I'm sure if you're following WWE, it was a lot better than what I saw, you know, but, you know, coming in as a, as a fan, as a casual fan watching it, 
it was not so let's make a comparison like like if like if you and i you and i had not been following ring of honor for the last couple of months right but we watched those right. two shows last week and we and we thoroughly enjoyed ourselves watching those two shows i mean they had their moments that we didn't like you know they had their they had their weak spots but oh but but all in all every match on that card was had something to, had something to recommend it on both on both nights you know here right. but here but here i watched three matches on elimination chamber and I find weaknesses in all three of them that make me not want to recommend them. I mean, for the for the women's match, I would say start watching when, when Shayna Baszler comes in because <laughs> you didn't miss anything before that, really. You know, um, for, for for the tag team match, I would say the first three. You know, the, when the first three teams are in there, it's great, and then everything slows down when Miz and Morrison get in. And I'm not trying to. And, and you know, it's not Miz and Morrison's fault that they've been stuck together again, and they have no chemistry anymore. And they're both better as singles performers than they are as tag performers. At the, but it is Miss's fault that he's gained like 10 pounds of muscle mass and he no longer knows how to move. It, it's just like uh, when, when Bad Luck Fale lost that 60 pounds a couple of years ago and he didn't know how to move anymore. You know, I, I feel like Miz is, is slower and clunkier than he used to be just because he, he's gained that weight on and he hasn't had a chance to work out how to, how to use it yet. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Completely, you know, and, you know. So and and but it really it, it was them, and then, like I said, uh, those are not those not knowing what he was supposed to be doing that really kind of brought that match down. But and then the AJ, Alistair match was really really good, and then that ending happened, and it was just, you know, do we have to do that thing where somehow magically the Undertaker is going to know that that the guy in the match is going to is going to make fun to taunt him and make fun of him during the match so then he can just magically appear and attack and cost the guy the match. Do we have to do that thing in 2020? Apparently we do. Right. And you know the, the thing with that is that AJ better beat Undertaker at WrestleMania or there's no point to this feud at all. It, it helps. No, it helps. It helps nobody at all if Undertaker completely dominates AJ at every turn and then wins the feud. Well, it, it's it. Unfortunately, it would be a lot like the MJF uh, Cody feud, where Cody kind of dominated at, or I, I'm sorry, yeah, Cody kind of dominated at every turn, and then just to pull a fast one, they let MJF win the match. It. I, I feel like even there, they lost way too much because of it. Oh, and really unfortunately, wait, 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 what did they lose because of it? I just the Ella, I we ca- I ca- I went into the match thinking MJF didn't have a chance in hell, and then yeah, he got the pinfall, but it was because of his uh, his ring that was magically he just remembered after getting his ass kicked for 20 minutes i i don't know i i'm i'm still having my issues with that even though mjf won the match i still don't feel like he is actually a equal of cody because of how he was punked throughout the entire feud leading up to it and then it took a a cheap shot to win my problem with the finish is that cody hits um, crossroads, right? Goes for the pin. Two, pulls MJ, two in a row. Pulls MJF, MJF up. Then he hits a second crossroads. Then he pulls him up, and before he can hit the third crossroads, there's MJF hitting um, Cody in the face with the ring. So it's like those two crossroads, which are Cody's finishing move, and have won him championships, can't beat, don't knock MJF for a loop? Really? It would have made a lot more sense if Wardlow had just had jumped up on the apron and distracted Cody and given MJF a moment to recover rather than it, it rather than it just happening like that. You know, it, it's a little it's a little timing things like we talked about with Hangman versus Jericho. You know, that that timing doesn't make any sense to me. No. And, and you know, and, and the other the other, other big criticism of that match, of course, was the blood spot. So. Yeah, it's I it must have been because she was off and a toenail cut him or something. And something only... like that should never happen off camera. So. No. I mean, a, a disaster kick should uh, has never even come close to cutting anybody open, but magically MJF got cut open. Yeah. 
Cody should have run him into the steel uh, ring post. He should have run him into the bell. Something, you know. There should have been, yeah, there should have been something that was a little bit more um, explainable right. than just a silly little disaster kick that wasn't even full force. Kind of hit him on the shoulder, and um, he had a shoe off. So there was really nothing. Th- there was cushion. Nothing that could have. Um, there was nothing that could have actually cut him open. You know, you know, you could even make the argument that MGF cut himself open so that blood was going in his eyes and he couldn't see that stupid fucking tattoo. <laughs> I will say his promo was pretty top notch. Yeah, <laughs> especially when he brought in the tattoo. Um, you know, and running down uh, Lucha Express and all that, or the uh, Jurassic Express and all that, too. That was, he had probably the best promo he's had in a long time. I think he actually called him Lucha Express, didn't he? I think so. He called him Lucha Boring um, and Marco Growth Stunt, or Stunted Growth. So, yeah, there was a lot to, there was a lot to like about that promo. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Um, I mean, I I thought last week's AEW was was amazing. It, it was one of the better ones they have, they've had in a while, and I think it would have been it, it, it almost should have been flip flopped with the week before because the week before I thought was kind of a weak go home show, and they they bounced back nicely with this one. It, it was almost like every storyline that they did on this week's episode or last week's episode would have made more sense had it been on the go home show. Well, I think have a, the, the problem with the go home show was that they flipped things around. You know, if they'd had the Iron Man match finish the show off, I think I think and they started with the win. I think we would have felt a lot differently about it than we felt about it. Yeah, I, I think so too. Um, but I also think that the other matches they had didn't make much sense for a go home show too, considering they pretty much featured people that weren't going to be on the pay per view. Um, the week after. After the show, they spent a lot of time on the inner circle against uh, Moxley and Darby Allen. They spent, uh, you know, that would have been a great spot for an MJF promo, kind of like that, leading into it. It it almost felt like they just, they should have flip-flopped the shows, in my mind. Okay. <laughs> um. But hey, what do I know? It was interesting to see Colt Commander debut for AEW because now it seems like he's working for NWA, Ring of Honor, and AEW. Is he working for Ring of Honor? I have no idea, dude. That's what I said. It seems like it. He hasn't been doing commentary in about five, six months. He hasn't, uh, you know, been on any of the shows in quite a while. Is he still no, the no, national he was, champion? No, he was on, one of, the, he was on one, of the, one of the recent shows, wasn't he? Not that I saw. I think he. I think he was booked for one of the shows we didn't watch. Possibly, but I know... And he was was at Final Battle against uh, Alex Shelley. Right, and I think that was the last time he was there. Okay, that's that's certainly possible. Because I I haven't seen him or even heard his name with Ring of of Honor since. And NWA, I don't know what's going on there, but I... I, Clearly, he might not... He must not be the NWA uh, national champion anymore. I think the national champion is... um, Pirate guy, that was his name. Um, Pirate guy. Yeah, you know, everybody was called. You know, everybody was was, was um, saying he was gonna be. He was like a pirate guy because he was in that Pirates of the Caribbean knockoff movie and. Um, Damian Sandow or whatever his name is now. Yeah, that, Aaron that, Stevens. Aaron Stevens. Yeah. Aaron. Okay. Weird. I wonder how they got to that. I believe he won the national championship in that triple threat match at the. Uh, whatever that show was, we didn't watch. Well, considering he couldn't win a match, that's kind of shocking. Yeah. I wonder how they got to that. Actually, you know what? I don't care how they got to that. <laughs> it means nothing to me. <laughs> uh, it was kind of weird to see the librarian on this show. You know, I was actually thinking, like, actually, I actually thought like, earlier in the day, I was like, is librarian even still with AEW? And then she shows up on this show against your girl, uh, Bianca Swall. Ugh. Oh, that was the weak spot of the night. I just, I, I, I can't 
Yeah, and they had both librarians, and both librarians got their asses kicked. So, yeah, because I I don't know. I wish Peter Avalon had a better gimmick. I think he uh, he has a lot more talent than they give him credit for. I just think he'd be a great manager. I don't think he's great as a. I mean, and and don't get me wrong. He's a, he's a very good talker, and he can do his job in the ring. But I just think you know, with his size. You know, even even in this day and age, with his size, you know, being a being a major a star in a major promotion is not going to happen for him. No, and I agree with that, and that's it's too bad because I think he's got, you know, all the talent in the world, and I loved him within his NWA and even his brief stint in um, Impact. But I just don't, I just don't feel like he's being utilized right. No, I, I don't think he is either. But you know, whether he's ever is or not is. I guess up for debate. I mean, are they ever going to give up on this librarian thing that nobody likes? I don't think they're going to, unfortunately. Well, we can always hope, right? (laughs) Yes, yes, that we can. We can always hope. Uh, You know, and I... Go ahead. I was going to say, there was a lot to like about last week. I, I, I... like the fact that they continue the Nick Jackson, or I'm sorry, Matt Jackson, Adam Page storyline. Um, I like the way that uh, Inner Circle presented themselves throughout the night. I, there was just there was a lot to like about the show. I love the cowboy shit that Hangman did on that show. It was so right funny. with coming out, you know. And I was gonna say last um, was it? La- I don't know if it was last week or the week before that. The one thing I felt was missing from his. Um, drunk storyline that they're going with was that he never did the Scott Hall stump to the ring. When they ran that drunk uh, storyline with Scott Hall, he would come out holding a glass of whiskey and he would stumble to the ring. And I felt like they never, um, they never capitalized on that with Adam page. And they kind of started it when he stumbled out of the back on his way to the ring. I like the way he came to the ring and he was just like, Hold on, hold on. I got to put my beer down. And he sets his beer up and, and doesn't spill it and all that stuff. I, I, I'm enjoying the way they're going with this storyline. And I love the way that, you know, Matt comes at him and like, he's like, he like, he looks at me, he's like, are you and I good? And he gets a finger right in the face and as, as right. uh, Hangman walks off and, and Jim and Ross is like, I don't get this at all, folks. I mean, he comes out and saves the day, and he's so acerbic when he leaves. And I'm like, you don't get it at all. He he's still a he's still Matt Jackson's friend. He doesn't want to see him get his ass kicked, except by him. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It's a very complex storyline, but I'm really enjoying it because it's like, you know, Hangman is still he doesn't want to see Matt or Nick get hurt. Really, he just doesn't. You know, but he's still going to stand up for them when when the situation calls for it, and that's a bit of a growth for him over the last few weeks. Because if you remember, there was that week where where the uh, intersection was stopping everybody down, and Kenny came out to help, but Hangman was nowhere to be found. Well, and, and now, it's kind of it's go ahead. it's kind of that whole we fight like brothers. You know, we will fight each other, but if anyone else messes with us, we're going to fight. And you know, we're not going to let them. We're going to beat them down. We're going to team up together and then go back to hating each other. It's the the perfect brother storyline that has been told in every other brother combination in the history of wrestling. You know, I wonder if this if the spot at the end was to kind of put some separation between Jericho and and Moxley. You know that because because with that spot at the end, if Moxley's out for a few weeks and they do blood and guts without him, and with the inner circle against the elite instead. Um, it makes a lot of sense because Moxley should not be partnered up with anybody at this point, really, other than, you know, Darby. Well, I can't. Which version of the elite are they going to go with? I Would they have Paige and Omega in there with Cody and the Bucks? Well, it would have to. It's got to be. It's got to be a five on five. Mm-hmm. See, that's, that's but, the thing I think is interesting is, is that they could is that they could do Cody. Dustin, um, what was I going to say? Cody, Dustin, Matt, Page, and and Hangman. That's the thing. Is it is, is or that, Matt is, Page and Omega? The, is, that's where the drama is. You, do you do where you know maybe Hangman's on the on the outside looking in and he gets pissed off about that too? Where it ends up, ends up being the Young Bucks 
Cody, Dustin, and and Omega are the ones in blood and guts against the uh, against uh, the inner circle. And then Paige, Paige's like, wait a minute, guys, I'm the one that saved the day. I'm the one that I'm the one that keeps winning the tag team titles, but I don't get chosen for this match. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that would put a little more animosity between him and the elites. I just I I'm not. I'm more thinking that if anyone's going to turn heel, it should be the rest of the elite. Just that kind of fits the whole storyline. Cody becoming part of this feud after he basically swore everybody, including his own brother off, uh, you know, a month, two months ago is a little bit twisted. It, it just, what, what, did, what did I miss? When he when he basically said that he's got to go all this he's got to do all this by himself his uh, his brother and the Bucks there and uh, feuds or blood feuds with the inner circle and and uh, um, Kenny is doing whatever he's doing with Pack and he just basically said he's going to do it by and his he, even his own wife is messed up with her own thing he pretty much came out and cut a promo when he started his feud with um, with MJF saying he's just the only person he can count on is himself. Yeah, but then... I mean, I, else, I'm sorry, go ahead. I get why he came out and protected his brother, but you know, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago that he's the one that kind of quit the elite. I, I, yeah, granted, Paige did it on the web series, but Cody did it in... On national TV. That's very true. Um, trying to think what it, oh, so so with this whole storyline with with Jake the Snake Roberts, you know, and and his client, it could easily it could actually end up being that Cody has is has business elsewhere, so it actually ends up being Page and Omega, Young Bucks and Dustin against the against the inner circle. Which would make more sense. It would. I agree would make a lot more sense and then you can get the tension between matt and page throughout the match yeah you know i, I really think page you know thinking about it a little bit more and talking through it here I, I i really think that page has to be part of blood and guts because then you still have that you can still have that same drama as as him being left out because it, it could be that you know no i want to start the match no i'm him next no i'm i'm coming in next and and you know always saving him to be the last guy or, or to even be the yeah, fourth he, guy, and then he can't, then he can't even be the, you know, they can't even be the cleanup dude. Right. Yeah. There's a, I mean, there's a lot of storylines that that actually, and that actually makes a lot more sense than having Moxley against, or Moxley teaming with Dustin and um, Darby, which is what I was talking about last week. Because then you got to find two more partners to go along with them, and there's always to be. I, I think your your scenario makes a little more sense where you have the elite against the inner circle. I think so too. Being put out as you know, maybe off table and just got his by inner circle. Right. Yeah, and uh, the other the other part of um, you that I really enjoyed was the revelation of others and Pack as a mid card. I'm sorry, the revelation of what? Revelation of Pack and Lucha Brothers being a mid card death triple. Yeah, death triple. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Death Triangle is a really cool name for a stable unit. Why all of a sudden are these guys helping each other? Well, now we know, right? Right, and they're kind of amazing. I think it makes a lot of sense. It helps three guys who are really directionalist right now um, into feuds and driving storylines going forward. Ray Phoenix and Pentagon Jr. are direct. You should never not, yeah. have, a way, not have, have a way to use those three guys. Yeah, don't have to put them into a. Uh, but I do like the potential the table has. But no stables and one face stable that's not even a real stable stable. Yeah, I just don't want it to become like NJPW where it's all stables. You know? I don't. Uh, the thing about NJPW is they don't really use the side of um, Suzuki Goon and um, LA Day. The stables are just non existent. Yeah, they're members for tag team matches, but ultimately they don't really help each other. The only one I would say about I would say that's true of is uh, chaos because Bullet Club definitely help each other. Oh yeah, yeah, it's, I totally forgot about Bullet Club. 
But now, chaos and Tanahashi's stable have, doesn't. You know, we have we have best friends. We have uh, Death Triangle. We have SCU. We have Weren't you the one that said that three people can't be a stable? Yeah. Didn't we have that argument a while ago? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, but I mean, clearly that's that's what they keep doing these days. Um, right. Then you have. Uh, I guess, you know, we have Inner Circle, obviously, and Dark Order, but, you know, the Elite, I guess you could debate whether they're actually a stable or not. Because they're really loosely aligned. You know, they, it's not like they've ever had a united front. They don't go out there, you know, you know, I, I, you know, Kenny and Kenny and the Young Bucks are the closest that they've been to being a stable, but are they really? You know, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of a wishy-washy stable at best, you know? Right. Um... And then you have the Nightmare Collective, where they even still exist. So. Yeah, I don't know what's going on there, but that's kind of a a disaster because it just now that um, Brandy's back to being face, are they like you said? Are they even a stable anymore? I have no idea. And then I guess, and then I guess you have Strong Hearts, whatever they feel like showing up. And Chima is now in MLW. After having his non-existent tag team in that tag team Royal Rumble, that's impressive. That's right. Chima's wrestling for the MLW World Championship at their hundredth episode. Oh my god, that's so sad. Right. So yeah, that is uh, that is that is pathetic. So, to and, think we used to love that company. Yeah. That, I don't want to think about that, right? <laughs> you know, AEW, uh, we, we t- I touched on this briefly already, but um, I think it, I think it does a little bit, little bit more in depth than I mentioned with it is AEW announced, I think it was like Monday, that there was going to be a major superstar debuting for them on Dynamite. And right. of course, I didn't watch Dynamite the night it was on. You had you had watched a little bit of it and kind of read the results, and you told me it's going to be a former WWE guy that you never would have expected, because I never would have expected it. And it ended up being Jake the Snake Roberts, and you were totally right about that. But I got to say, I ain't mad at it. You know, Jake is still one of the best guys on the mic. He really, um, he, he played a dick really well. And it is it, intriguing setting up, you know, whatever's coming for the future. So, I mean, my best guess for his clients are are going to be are either um, the American Psycho or Luke Harper slash Brody. Luke. So. Right. I mean, I there was some things about his um, about his promo that he, I thought his promo was choppy. It wasn't as good as, as he's had the ability to be. He kind of straddled the line between face and heel and making us want to cheer for him, but then cheer against him. Um, you know, I, I wish he would have exp- at least said something, even if it was a quick crowd poppy moment about getting back into the ring for the first time in 20 years or whatever, when he was feeling the ring ropes and smelling his hands and smelling the, um, the turnbuckles and all that stuff. It just, that part seemed out of character for what he was going for. And even if he'd done that quick crowd popping moment, um, got it out of the way and then went off on his spiel, um, I think would have made a little more sense. Probably, but I still I still but, enjoyed it. You know, I still, it still it actually it kind of brought back memories of how great Jake was in the past. You know. Yeah, and he like you and I talked about it after the fact that he's one of those guys that can just talk. He doesn't shout. He doesn't scream. He doesn't. Uh, he doesn't cut a, a normal wrestling promo. Like even Cody gets in his moments where on the mic as he is gets in his moments where he's not talking to you. He's yelling at you. Um, Jake Roberts and Arn Anderson are probably best in the history of wrestling at just talking to you. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I, I want to see those two just even for nostalgia's sake, just one more time, the two of them on the mic together. Well, I think it's going to happen. Well, it has to happen with the way they're building this story. I know. That's what I'm saying. I think it's going to happen. So. Um, Anything else for Dynamite? 
Not really, no. It was a good. It was a good episode. I, I, I'm actually looking forward to this week's. Yeah, I, I think I think two out of the last three weeks they've had they've had their. No, I would say three out of the last four weeks they've had their best. They've had three other three other best episodes. Yes. Well, they just it, it they just keep figuring it out. Like every single week, the the negatives that we have end up not being there anymore. And, you know, it, it's getting harder and harder to pick apart things. I mean, right now, I'm just um, literally picking apart tiny, tiny little things like Jake Roberts saying, hey, I wish you would have done this. But the reality is I have nothing bad to say about this last week's episode. I felt like the Inner Circle's present was, presence was great. I felt like the Cody-Jake Roberts bit was great. The matches were good. I, I enjoyed I, Chuck Taylor. Um, against Pack might have been one of my favorite matches of the night, even though it wasn't anything super spectacular. It, it's just hard to say anything they did are good. Um, I'm going to say this, and I, and I don't want you to take it the wrong way because it's, it's, I'm going to compare it to, to, to the WWF, not the WWE. Oh, please don't. Please don't. It, please don't. No. It, it felt like an outstanding episode of Raw from the Monday Night, from the Monday night Wars, from when the Attitude Era was going on. You know, you had that great promo thing from Moxie that was a lot like an Austin promo. You had Jericho coming out there and getting on him, which was a lot like The Rock when he was in the corporation. Um, then you had that great ending with, you know, with the power bomb through the table. You had the moments of suspense during the night. You know, I, I really felt like, in a in a very good way, it felt it felt a lot like a Raw from that time frame when Raw was. Yeah. And I still I still compare them a lot to um, WCW from like ninety six to ninety eight, where everything ends up in a beatdown at the end of the show, and you've yeah. got that heel stable standing tall at the end of the show, which is what we dealt with with the NWO for a couple of years. Yeah, that's a good point because you know, you know, uh, I think the first time I saw somebody get power bombed from a stage through a table, it was Eric Bischoff getting power bombed by Kevin Nash. So right. Yeah, and now it's uh, it's it, and it's great. I mean, I like the way that they um, they end the shows. It reminds me of the nostalgia period that we had before, but it, it and it's so much different than just wrestling today that I I enjoy it. But at the same time, it really does have that late '90s feel to it. So if you're a fan of that era, you're you're getting great wrestling now. Exactly. So. You know, if you're a fan of area, you're getting great wrestling now. Whereas if you go back and watch those Raws or those Nitros, a lot of times the matches on there were not anything special. You know, it, it was those moments that made it. And now I think that I think that the guys at A&W, Cody, the Bucks, Kenny, Tony Khan, have found a way to blend the two great the two things together. The great moments that we had in the past, along with just some fanta- absolutely fantastic wrestling. They're doing a good job of keeping shows to five, six matches, not um, and letting the matches tell stories, and then having the shenanigans save for a fifteen, twenty minutes total in the show, as opposed to, uh, you know, they're they're going more towards that WCW feel, where WCW had the same kind of formula. They had, you know, in a three-hour show, they would have six or seven matches that they would let tell a decent story you know of course they had their squash match here and there but you know their main events their top of the hour matches were usually 15 20 25 minutes long and they told their stories and then they ended the night with the shenanigans and i think AEW is kind of kind of has that same feel where it's got the new japan style of actual storytelling in the ring mixed with the little bit of shenanigans to keep uh, the american audiences happy the other thing I think that AEW is doing better than WCW did is, and when I get on Jim Ross's commentary, at, you know, at times on this show, but what they're doing, what they're doing better is, if you watch those old WWE Nitros and Thunders, they were always talking about, you know, what's going to happen, you know, they could, they could have, there could be a great 20-minute match going on between Humatu Guerrera and Dean Malenko. And throughout the whole thing, they're talking about what Hulk Hogan and Kevin Nash are going to do at the at the end of the show. Um, the other the, the other thing present during the matches here. 
The other thing I think they're doing very well is they're doing a good job of getting over the younger talent. They do a good job of getting Darby Allen over, of getting um, Guevara over, of getting, you know, these younger guys who are not names in the, you know, in the, I wouldn't say necessarily the wrestling world because the wrestling world knows and loves these people, but they're doing a good job of getting over people that are, um, not as well known where WCW was so hung up on their top five or six guys that that's all they would talk about for three hours. Absolutely. And, um, and when you say that you say they're doing a great job, I think the booking is doing a great job. The directors themselves are doing a great job, but, the, but like the announcers are also selling how great they are. You yeah. Know, and be, you know, you know, the announcers made it, made it a point of, I think, I think it was, I think it was Excalibur made it a point of, you know, when they were talking about Paige and they were talking about Darby Allen and they were talking about Moxley, you know, how strong they were, you know, um, I think it was Excalibur that, that made a point to see, and look how Gary Sankavara was. He almost stole the show. So. Right. Yeah. And, and they do, they do great. That's one thing I'll give them definite credit for is they do, they do a great job of, of talking these guys up and they're in the ring focusing on the greatness of these, of these guys. Cause let's face it, they do some talent on that roster and even a guy like Darby Allen, who I even knew nothing about, but which isn't surprising because he's only been in wrestling what two or three years. They're doing a very, very good job of getting these guys, uh, you know, in Francis, getting them over the best they can, and they're going to end up making the few stars of this of this business. Where in five, six, seven years, Paige, MJF, Guevara, and um, and Darby Allen are going to be the guys leading the charge. It's not going to be Cody and Bucks anymore. It's not going to be, um, you know, Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt that they're leaning on. It's going to be these young guys who are in their early twenties that are now starting to come of age and become mega superstars. And the amazing thing is that they're doing that without a mid-card championship. You know, these guys are, are, are wrestling in the mid-card. They're having great matches and there's, and, and they're making, you know, the personal stakes matter instead of having a, another championship that would get watered down in a two hour format. And they're not sacrificing anybody. Like typically when you go back and you watch, um, uh, they're sacrificing Joey Janela and your boy, Sean Spears. Yeah, but we talked about these guys before. They just don't have, they connect with, well, Joey Janela especially connects with crowds, but he just doesn't have that defining it factor yet. And as far as what I mean by sacrificing guys, if you look back through the 90s, um, you got to kind of throw out 97 to 99 because you had four or five guys kind of rise to prominence at the same time. But then... 2000s outside of the SmackDown Six, um, 2000s was dominated by two or three guys. The you know early teens were dominated by three or four guys. And in order for the prominence, Daniel Bryan got kind of cut down and taken a back seat, so that CM Punk could rise, and then Daniel Bryan had to rise after that. What AEW sacrificing and um, MJF so that Darby Allen can rise. They're getting all three of these guys from time, kind of like Triple H and The Rock did in the late 90s. That is an excellent point. I, re- I really like that. Um, so we're 45 minutes in. Do we want to move on to Ring of Honor? I think we're going to have to. We've only got about 15 minutes left. <laughs> so, What a shock that we, something that we thought we would. Um, yeah, that never happens. So, guys, we, I just I just talked about a little bit of for last week's show. You know how much Jeff and I loved the back-to-back nights of Ring of Honor two, ago, two weekends ago, I should say. Well, it's happening again this coming weekend. Uh, this coming Friday is ROH 18th anniversary show. And then on Saturday night, they're doing a really cool concept called ROH Past Present. I'm expecting greatness on Friday night and, and, and just really entertaining stuff on Saturday night. Well, the top six matches on Friday night look to be just amazing, to be honest. I, I'm not really sold on the bottom three matches, mainly because I, I can't buy into Session, Moth, Martina, PCO, and 
uh, Eli Isom versus Bully Ray just doesn't seem like a blow off. We're not going to get an Eli Isom win because Bully Ray is not going away. So those first might. Before, you know, I understand why you might. But we were also talking about. So it wouldn't shock me if Bully Ray is out and then he somehow joins WWE, like on their commentary team or something like that. Yeah, I guess you're right. I just. I don't know. I, it seems like this is a story that should play out until final battle. If things are being booked correctly, which lately they seem like ring of honor has kind of turned the table and they're starting to book things correctly. Well, yes and no, because their second biggest show of the year, you know, for WWE, their biggest show of the year is WrestleMania. Their second biggest show is SummerSlam, right? For Right. For Ring of Honor, the year's final battle, and their second biggest show is the anniversary show. So, yeah, true. So, I mean, if you're not going to do it at final battle, and they didn't at final battle, then, you know, why are they, can they really build up Eli versus Eli Isom versus Bully Ray for an entire year like they did with, with Bully Ray and Flip Gordon? I think they could have. I think this, this match might be in the, Unless it's going to be a competitive match between the two and Bully Ray, and maybe they could. I think maybe if it depends on what to do with Eli Isom. If they're trying to build him to become a um, top of the card star like they did with Flip Gordon, then yeah, okay. Um, but if they're just if this is just a blow, then I, I, I think a win by Isom at this point. To push Bully Ray out does nothing for Isom. He needs to be in a long program fighting against Bully Ray and, and showing his toughness like Flip Gordon did to actually rise in the card, or he's just going to be stuck in a mid-card. Yeah, he got there, but who cares? For those of you who don't know what we're talking about, Ray loses to Eli Isom. He will be out of Ring of Honor. Um, He'll Ray quit. Has, Bully Ray has said that the next time he loses a match... And Ring of Honor is done with the promotion because he has an ironclad contract, but he'll quit if anybody can beat him. Um, yeah, and I just and, think and in this, the storyline, I think it's too soon. As a, as a straight-up singles match, but I guarantee that's not going to be the case. Not with Bully Ray. And I, but I just think it's too soon to pull that trigger and let Eli Isom beat him. Yeah, it probably is. I mean this, and then when you look at the rest of Friday night, Jeff Cobb versus Slex, that's that could be just an outstanding match. I like the dealer's choice for a corner survival match with Kenny King and Bateman in there against the two big hosses, Taylor and Moth. Um, Briscoes versus Castle and Hendry looks like a great match. That tag team match with Skrull and Gordon against uh, Gresham. What are they, what are they calling them? The Foundation. Gresham. The Foundation. Yeah, with Lethal and Gresham, and then Dragon Lee versus Bandito. That's if these two perform like they can, that's going to be the match of the year, written all over it. And I love the fact that Roosh, that PCO's bid for anything to do with the championship match is gone, and it's Roosh versus Haskins. That's. I think it's going to be a fantastic match, but. But more importantly, you know, I think people, I think somebody could look at this match and go, Mark Haskins versus Roosh is the for the second biggest ROH show of the year. I say yes, if, motherfucker, because that's what Ring of Honor does. You know, if, if, well, you look at, if you look at their history, this is this is what they do. They they get you know world. Everybody gets a, gets a shot at that world title, and Mark Haskins has been outstanding for them for the last year. And anybody that is questioning Mark Haskins' ability has not been watching Mark Haskins for the last two years. He is he has been amazing. He was he was great in Defiant. He was great in in Rev Pro. Touchdown in a year and a half ago. He's been amazing. He is probably the best choice for to challenge Roosh at this. And then you get you know you get that face versus heel thing too because is Roosh. I guess uh, La Faction and Grenoble is is a heel faction, right? Yes. Which is. And they've got the top two champions. They've got them back-to-back nights. And then you've got the storyline with Kenny King is, you know, if he wins that dealer's choice, what's he going for? Are they going to reveal another uh, faction member to go after the tag belts? Is he going to actually have his brothers in the faction? You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of different stories that can work out in this. 
The only one that doesn't make much sense in that top six matches, even though I think it's going to be a great match, is Briscoe's versus Col- uh, Castle and Henry. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's just a matchbook to be a great match. I don't think there's a storyline going into it, but look at these top six matches. Standing show. Yeah, it also, I mean, once we get past that women's match, I think everything else on this card is just going to be lights out for the rest of the night. Everyone has a chance to steal the show. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I am really looking forward to Friday night. Saturday night, I could give or take. It's kind of a nostalgia feel. I don't. I, I'm kind of looking forward to the Generation Next versus Villain Enterprise, although... Um, Generation Next wasn't that uh, Matt Nick's title when they were in Impact? Uh, Generation Me. Generation Me, okay, yeah, because Matt Seidel versus, and Alex Shelley versus uh, Skrull and Gordon could be a great match. Um, and then the Briscoes against each other. The rest is just kind of nostalgia's sake. The on here that I'm really pining to see. But at the same time, it could be a fun night because it'd be fun to watch these guys. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a fun and a show. I don't think it's going to be a great show, but I think it's going to be a fun show and entertaining show. So, I mean, I think that we've got one night full of uh, drama and outstanding, you know, performances and great wrestling and uh, what's the word of what's the word of gravitas. And then you've got an, and the next night is just all about nostalgia and just fun. Um, so, I mean, so, I mean, I, I think, I think actually it's a very good pairing of shows. I think, I mean, it, I, Doug Williams, he's got to be in his fifties, mid to late fifties now, doesn't he? He was old in WCW. He was even, oh no, I, I'm sorry, older and old in impact when he was made his first go around. Uh, and then we just saw him on one of the shows from 2011 against, uh, Cole Cabana and he was old there. Now we're looking another nine years later, and he's going up against John Gresham, which Gresham no, no, has no, been. Cole Cabana, my friend. Wasn't it? No. It Who was, was it? Uh, Taylor. Dave Taylor. You're right. You're right. So Doug Williams is still the impact guy that was teaming with um, uh, Magnus or Nick Aldis, as he's known now. But Doug Williams was on the first match to crown a Ring of Honor world champion. So it's, it's really cool that he's on this show. And I think if you're going to have him on the show. There's nobody better to pair him with than Jonathan Gresham. No, because they're both technicians, and and I mean Doug Doug Williams was, um, I remember when he first debuted in, in TNA, and they were interviewing um, Nick Aldis about him, and he, he was talking about what an honor it was to be paired with Doug Williams, because of what he meant to British Sling. You know, and and I I like the pairing of Homicide and Brody Q, but I think that uh, Seidel and Shelley versus um, Skrull and Gordon and uh, the Briscoes uh, have a those are the two matches to look forward to on two. Well, geez, it's been ten years. <laughs> I just <laughs> I think I think I think the, I think the Pitbulls versus Ray Horus and uh, Bandito is going to be fun too. Yeah, I. I never saw Ricky Ricky Reyes, so I guess I don't know much about him. He's one of the people on this card, and John Waiters are the two that I don't really have much of a history with, so I don't know what to expect out of them. I'm trying to think of the name of the team, but I think it was the No Remorse Corps. Roderick Romero and Rod... And, uh, I'm sorry, Roderick Strong, Rocky Romero, and Ricky Reyes. And that was a really strong... Yeah, that was... And that was before my time, so that was before my too busy um, watching. You're older, than, you're older than dirt. I it was during that time. Uh, I was too busy into TNA and into WWE. Gotcha. You know, I was I was watching Christian Cage rule TNA and and bring along AJ Styles, who had been now in his third reset. I think I think it'd be, I think it'd be really cool if they, if they intersplice some stuff in this show too, like you know old clips of things happening. Can they though? Can they before 2011? Most of these guys on the show were from before 2011 and Ring of Honor, so it might be difficult they, as with as this. Edit out the, as long as they don't show any, any other theme music, they'll be fine. They own all the rights to the to the footage. The problem is they haven't taken the time to, to um, scrub out the 
the music they didn't have the rights to use. Yeah. Well, and did when Sinclair bought it, did they buy the footage or did they just buy you know, the rights to show some of these people? They bought the footage because if you look, cause, okay. you know, if you look at the Honor Club, even you know they got old matches on there, like in like those collections. It's just okay. that, or they'll you know they'll they'll have like you know these some of these matches to watch. It's just they can't do the music, like you know they could they can't do um, Cult of Personality by Living Color when Sam Punk comes out, for instance. Or, right. Or they can't do um, Final Countdown when Daniel Bryan comes out. I because I know when WWE when they buy. Uh, an old promotion they buy the library too and i yeah, guess i just didn't know if if sinclair did that too they did they're just too cheap to hire somebody to scrub out all the music or they're or they're really slow at it One of the two. well didn't we didn't we give them 12 months to live uh three months ago we did but it seems like they've uh jump-started themselves at this point. well and they they seem to be signing some decent talent again slex is a future star um I, I would love to see a guy like Alex Hammerstone make his way to Ring of Honor. I think he would have some great matches against Taylor and, and Sex and Jeff Cobb. Yeah. You know, and, you know I, I, unfor- they're signing great talent, and I think, uh, <clears throat> and I think they've, they've come up with, with a couple of really cool factions that are, you know, you know Lux, Lux Faciones, uh, Irable, and then the uh, Righteous. Right, and Enterprises, Sans PCO is still a great faction too. Um, and if PCO they are, works, if PCO works fine for them in, ta- in a tag team setting, it's when he it's when he gets into singles matches that I have a real problem with him. Because he does the same four moves over and over and over, and believe that he can't get hurt. And he looks as lost as a singles performer as uh, Dozerman looked in that elimination chamber. I still think one of my favorite all-time PCO moments was when he and Brody King were in a tag match. I forget who they were against. I thought it might have been the Briscoes. But when he went to um, do the run the ropes and dive through the ring, and he dove through the wrong side. Oh, yeah. And the announcers are like, I think he just short-circuited. They had no clue what was going on either. <laughs> that might be my favorite piece. I, and I don't know if that was planned or if he's just like, spur of the moment, let's just do something stupid. Um, but that might have been my favorite ever PCO moment. No, your favorite PCO moment is when he won the championship when he got jump started by the car. Uh, that is hard to. That's hard to top. <laughs> For you know he he got jump started by a car. I mean, come on. And they and they not only could the, they when, just when the, guy couldn't even, when the guy couldn't even get the hood open and there was just jumper cables for right. some reason hanging outside the grill. Yeah, and then, you know, I mean, the door was open. He couldn't go and hit the hood release latch. He had to use a crowbar to open it. Just that's how you open oh, it. right. Just ugh. Bully Ray should have got fired off the booking team for that one spot alone. I, mean, I think he may have. That's probably that was probably the end. Yeah, you're probably right. They looked yeah. at that and said, "Yeah, no." This was, this was like a great show this weekend, guys. You know, I highly recommend you tune into it. Um, you know, you can, get, you can get Honor Club and, and buy it that and watch it that way. It's probably on Fight. I'm guessing it's on Fight TV for probably like thirty bucks or something. So. Yeah, and I think I think if you bring of Honor Doc come you can actually order the pay-per-view too. I, I've got Honor Club and the full ride for it, so. Um, you, we get them all, but I, I think you can just get the pay-per-view, too, if you go to ringofhonor.com. I think so as well. Or, fi- or Fight TV, because Fight TV carries all their stuff as well. Yeah, I, I think Fight TV is a really cool service where for, you know, if you don't want to get Honor Club, you don't, you know, if you, you can, you can, buy, a, you can buy a lot of things on, on uh, Fight TV, and then you kind of have them all in that same place. Yeah, and, you know, to be honest, uh, Fight TV does have a lot of free stuff too, a lot of free independent wrestling, um, and the Ring of Honor weekly shows are on there, and then you get access to pretty much all of the pay-per-views, with the exception of the Big Four. And when I say Big Four, I'm including Impact in there too, because Impact has its own spring- streaming service. So I don't think they show any of their shows on there. No, they do. They do? Okay. Yeah, um, yeah so our recent anniversary on Fight TV is thirty four ninety nine. That's not bad. 
considering that it's probably going to be, you know, close to as good as Revolution was, and it's fifteen dollars cheaper. Yeah, I would say I would say that's not, that is not too bad. The bottle package for the weekend, or are they just doing that's just for the one show? It's just for the one show. Okay. That's still not a bad deal. When you look at these top six matches, you got a chance at 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 least four of these matches stealing the show, and you've got a chance if Bandito versus Dragon Lee, or uh, he's Dragon Lee in the U.S., he's real Lee in Jin, right? Right. Is that how they're that how they're working it? Um, yeah, so I mean, you got a chance with that match of of match of the year contender. I don't know that anything is going to top the tag match from Revolution, but that one has a solid chance as any. If you don't want to get Honor Club, then ROH Pass vs. President will cost you ten bucks to watch. Um, so you're better you're you're just better off getting Honor Club for a month if you're going to do that. Yeah, because is an honor club ten bucks a month is what they. Yep. 10 and then and then, then you, you can watch the stuff that we're covering on our other show. It ends up being like fourteen dollars a month if you go the whole pay per view thing. Because they have it's it's one twenty for a year, so probably with taxes it comes out to fourteen dollars. Yeah, and I want to say it, I end up paying. I I thought it was one fifty, but one the high one fifty, but I think it's more like one forty. I'll have to look back at my statement to find out for sure. But I, I want to say after tax and everything, it's about $140. Which is worth it if they're putting on good shows. Yeah, you just, you just want to buy groceries for a week and you're good. Dude, that's like groceries for a month and a half for me. I live alone. I have a toddler who all he eats is chicken nuggets. <laughs> groceries <laughs> aren't anything for my house. That's like my niece, but there's a really nice uh, smokehouse here around the area here, and and uh, I couldn't get I couldn't get convince her to get anything except for chicken strips. And if it's me, I just you know I do my meal prepping. That's like buy fifty bucks that gives me twenty five meals. That's my lunches and breakfast and everything, and then I just eat a sandwich when I get home. So groceries in my house are one hundred and twenty dollars. That would last me probably three months. Seventy-five dollars worth of chicken nuggets and then sandwich bread. That's about it. <laughs> wow, do we go off topic? All right. <laughs> so, guys, uh, anyway, Ring of Honor this weekend, and Jen Jeff will tell you where, where you can hear us. You're listening to us, and you know I didn't put it out there right away, but you're listening to us live on Spreaker.com, also on LordsOfPainRadio.net, and on YouTube. If you are listening on YouTube, please go ahead and hit the like button, subscribe button, ring the notification bell. So, because we do this live thing twice a week, and uh, we do a, a live um, YouTube exclusive show at least. Uh, every uh, at least once a month we're actually shooting for twice a month so you can get quite a bit of live content on youtube so go ahead and please hit that subscribe button and ring the notification bell because that helps us out in the long run also patreon.com slash kingdom of honor that might be um the best thing uh that we can offer you because we do a weekly um a weekly exclusive show for uh for our subscribers you can donate for free or you can donate and you can get access to our complete library of every show we've done on wrestling and um everything else since 2014 it there's a lot of content and it's it's a very very small donation and we actually are doing a show live or a show for patreon tonight uh covering supercard of honor from 2011 so that's another thing to to watch out for those come out live every single week or not i'm sorry not live but they do they do get posted every single week and um our twitter uh, that's where I post links to everything I can. Um, I'm at Regi Co-op. He is at Zanman L-O-P. And uh, use hashtag D-A-D and hashtag K-O-H. We put everything on there and use those hashtags so it's the easiest way to find us. And make sure you stay tuned to all the other L-O-P radio shows, um, which really there aren't a lot these days. But <laughs> uh, tomorrow, you can, tomorrow you can hear um, M's L-O-P radio adventure. Oh, no, wait. Tomorrow is us, isn't it? Today's Tuesday. Sorry. Tomorrow you can yes. hear Dynamite After Dark. It was go live right after Dynamite goes off the air. 
On Thursday is, is MCLOP Radio Adventure. On Friday is no longer the right side of the pond. Now it's NWA The Legacy Series with Mystic and Ms. Fan. And then we'll be back with you next Tuesday talking about the ROH shows from this past weekend. Three straight weeks of ROH from us, guys. Can you believe it? Especially considering we wrote it off uh, three months ago and we're never going to watch it again. <laughs> I did not see this coming. Never does not last as long as you think it does. Especially not in our world. That's all we've got. We'll try to do better next time. This is Shane saying long days, pleasant nights. And Jeff saying... Goodbye. G1 Climax 27. Goodbye. And good night. Night.